today on Ag News Daily. You would need to understand what is the basis between the California region or geography and maybe your local market if you are that participant in Kansas. You can certainly trade it very easily at CME Group. Good afternoon, listeners, and happy Friday. It's another Ag News Daily podcast hosted by Ashton Carr and Delaney Howell. And Delaney, I've got to say, I am super excited for the weekend. We're a couple days closer to Christmas, and I just can't wait. I know it's hard to believe that we are one week away till Christmas. So hopefully everybody's got their Christmas shopping done. But I'm guessing if we've got some farmers listening and they're anything like my dad or my boyfriend, they probably haven't finished their Christmas shopping, maybe even haven't started it yet. And that would drive me crazy, but to each their own. Yeah, my dad has been texting me ideas on what to get my stepmom for Christmas, and they're not the best ideas. So I told him that we're going to have to get that done this weekend. (laughs) Texting you ideas to purchase things on his behalf, Ashton? Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what my dad does too. (laughs) Well, what can I say? I feel like all, all men are pretty much the same when it comes to that kind of stuff. This is definitely not surprising behavior on my dad's behalf. No, I suppose not. I suppose not. But Ashton, I tell you what, we've got little news to talk about on this Friday afternoon. Before we head into the weekend, what do you say we kick things off here? Let's do it, Delaney. What headlines are you watching? Well, I tell you what, I've been watching a few today. Markets have been pretty explosive, especially in the soybean markets. That's been pretty exciting to see. And we're continuing, or I'm continuing to watch really closely here what's going on down in Argentina, because that really has seemed to push things higher here. And again, the the situation I'm talking about, if you haven't caught up with some of the podcasts from earlier this week, Argentina is going on, going through some strikes right now over labor and pay made by crushers and grain inspectors. And so far, we've seen their ports shut down since I believe about Saturday or Sunday. And we've seen negotiations between the labor unions and the grain processors and shippers break down. And we've now seen an extension to that strike for at least another 24 hours. So we've got that on the one hand. We're also seeing a little bit drier weather down in South America, which has been supportive for U.S. grain prices. So those are just two market fundamental factors I'm watching at this time, Ashton. Well, I have some not so good news for fans of the monarch butterfly and for those farmers that rely on these pollinators. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced that the monarch butterfly is deserving to be on the endangered species list. Wayne Fredericks, who is the American Soybean Association's representative for the National Monarch Collaborative, was quoted as saying, as we look at this decision, they felt that it is warranted, but it's been precluded because there's a laundry list of a lot of other candidates that are more urgent. Fredericks said that he doesn't think that this announcement is really a threat to farmers fearing increased herbicide regulations and predicts that They won't actually go onto the endangered species list until 2024, but it's definitely something, of course, that they're looking out on and they'll review that annually. Frederick says that he thinks the best way for farmers to promote monarch butterfly populations is through voluntary and incentive-based measures. And he says that there are several practices farmers can do to develop habitats for pollinators. And if you want to learn more about what you can do to help monarch butterflies stay off the endangered species list. Frederick says that farmers and whoever else is wanting to promote habitats for these pollinators can visit the Farmers for Monarchs webpage. 
All right. Well, speaking of monarch butterflies, that has largely something to do with the environment and our ecosystem. And we've got some news about who President-elect Joe Biden's nomination or whose choice will be to lead the EPA. He has tapped a gentleman I'm unfortunately not very familiar with, Michael Reagan, who is the current head of North Carolina's Department of Environmental Quality to run the EPA under his administration. And he's also tapped Representative Deb Holland of New Mexico to be the next interior secretary. So it seems that he is making his his picks here very quickly compared to maybe what President Trump did back in 2016. I had to think about what year that was for a second there. Yeah, Delaney, I can't believe it was just 2016 when we had elected President Trump into office, and now we have a new president. Those four years sure went by fast, but uh, I have some interesting, I wouldn't, I guess, call it news, but some interesting results from a survey that agcareers.com They surveyed ag employers in the compensation and ag force during COVID-19 special report, and then they had some interesting results come through. Of course, during the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw a lot of shutdowns, you know, folks were laid off or lost their jobs and weren't really making a whole lot of money. But the ag industry is resilient, which is something that we are all familiar with. But over one half of the companies surveyed in this ag careers survey expect their workforce will increase in size over the next two years. Surprisingly, at least to me, employers are still hiring and HR professionals indicate competition for talent is the most concerning matter at hand. Employees said another major concern in this current environment that we're currently living in is recruiting difficulties. Many employers and candidates have converted their recruiting and job search efforts solely online since the pandemic hit, which can prove challenging for some, but it's also creating new outreach, flexibility, and expanded opportunities for many people. Virtual hiring often creates an efficient time and money-saving process that we expect to continue growth post-COVID-19. And along, you know, after after this survey, Ag Careers partnered with careersandfood.com and they launched the National Feed Your Future campaign. This initiative was developed to connect agri-food employers and job seekers virtually, addressing the pandemic's constraints on traditional in-person recruitment events. For some, COVID-19 directly affected their employment, while others may be ready to explore a new career or even a new industry. And I think that we've seen that quite a bit as folks are, you know, expanding more into ag and food processing, kind of like, you know, when we interviewed um, Wisconsin, what is it? Uh, Gosh, I'm forgetting the name of it. The uh, food box. That's not a good way to put it. What was that? Wisconsin Food Direct? Yes, Farm farm Direct. Okay. Okay. It was, you know, her first time working in agriculture. So I thought that this campaign was very interesting. They have virtual career fairs. The one on the East Coast has already taken place or for the East Coast, I should say. But for, you know, the rest of the U.S., they're taking place in 2021. And they also have webinars that you can attend. So I highly suggest if you're looking, you know, for a job in the ag industry, looking to switch careers, that folks go to the Ag Careers website and dig into this a bit more. Well, Ashton, speaking of the labor force moving forward, ag careers might be suggesting that we're going to see some increased labor, but meat packers are suggesting kind of the opposite, not necessarily 
they're, they're going to hire less people, but that they could continue to see more shutdowns or shutdowns happen again across the meat industry. We are seeing producers, excuse me, we're seeing processors brace themselves for some new shutdowns across North America. We've seen Cargill temporarily idle one of their beef plants in Canada as some of their employees tested positive. We saw JBS um, has sent thousands of workers home on paid leave. Sanderson Farms is facing some higher absentee rates as well. I believe they're a chicken entity. And so we're seeing executives and, you know, I think part of this is probably in response to the Tyson firing of those seven executives that happened earlier this week. We're seeing the beef and poultry and pork and protein industry start to react and uh, hesitantly start to shut down some of their operations or uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Strengthen? No. Uh, Decrease some of their operations. Sorry, that word was evading me for some reason. but. starting to see some some folks really start to tone down operations here ahead of the holiday season. So I don't know, that one's going to be a little bit different here to see, you know, trends worldwide or trends domestically maybe for increased labor, but I don't know that that's going to be the case for packing facilities. Well, Delaney, I just have one more thing to kind of announce and For farmers to keep their eye out on corn farmers, I should say, for the 2021 growing season, Helm Agro U.S. Incorporated is a global manufacturer of high-quality crop protection and fertilizer products, and I'm not familiar with them, but today that they announced, I believe it was today, um, that Catagon herbicide has received federal registration from the EPA. Catagon is a next-generation HPPD premix herbicide for post-emergence use in field corn. The herbicide offers two modes of action with the added benefits of a low-use rate formula, crop safety profile, and a wide application window. A co-formulation of the active ingredients, and I'm going to butcher these, I just know it. I need to take a moment and prepare myself for this, but with the two active ingredients, tolpyrolate and nicosulfuron, Catagon delivers highly effective control of broadleaf weeds plus enhanced grass control when used in combination with atrazine. Atrazine and Catagon together in a tank mix also provides residual activity for longer lasting weed control performance. Again, that is coming to the markets for the 2021 growing season. So corn farmers, if you are looking for something new, you might want to add Catagon to your list. All right. Well, Ashton, I tell you what, we're recording a little early today, so markets haven't quite closed as of yet, but we're talking about a new market place, the water futures market here just shortly But uh, until then, I'm not going to read through closing market prices, but I just wanted to point out again, soybeans and corn are reacting very favorably today, especially soybeans. Uh, Here we are about 15 minutes before the close. Soybeans are up about 15 to 20 cents. Corn's up about five. So things are looking pretty strong in the grain industries in particular. Ashton, and uh, looking at the livestock again, we haven't closed as of recording this this afternoon. But things in the livestock markets are looking a little mixed today. We're seeing live cattle higher, feeders lower, and lean hogs a little higher. So it's going to look like it's going to be an interesting Monday episode to tune into as we talk markets with Naomi Bloom. So folks, be sure to tune in with us on Monday afternoon. But Ashton, what do you say we kick things over and let you take care of today's interview? 
Of course, Delaney, let's kick it over to my conversation with Tim McCourt from CME. Well, for today's Friday interview, I am talking to Tim McCourt, who is the Global Head of Equity Index and Alternative Investment Products from CME. And Tim, that is quite a title. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit more about what exactly you do at CME. Great. And thanks for having me on today. The Yes, as the title would suggest, I'm Global Head of Equity Index and Alternative Investment Products at the CME Group. And what that entails is my team looks after the global equity index benchmarks, such as the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, the Dow Jones, the Russell 2000, and futures and options on futures associated with those global equity index benchmarks. And on the alternative investment product side, my team also looks after things such as cryptocurrency, commodity indices, and the recently launched water futures on the NASDAQ Vela's California Water Index. I'm so glad that you brought up the water futures because that's exactly what we have you on to talk about. And I've done a little bit of research, but uh, I'm not, of course, as familiar as you would be when it comes to this new water futures market. So why don't you explain exactly what this market is and when it, I guess, you know, hit the markets when it came to be? Absolutely. So we first launched the futures contract on the NQH2O index, as it's affectionately known, back last week on December 7th. And when we look at the water market in general, it's something that folks and market participants have been talking about for several years now. Uh, and we've been focusing on it in terms of designing a futures product that helps market participants meet their risk management needs as it relates to water. Uh, water in general is a tremendously vital and important resource, but also has scarcity issues. Where currently about 2 billion people across the globe are living in communities that are facing water shortages or water challenges. And when we look at some estimates by the year of 2025, as much as two thirds of the world's population could also be facing water shortage uh, issues. We certainly see some of these issues manifesting themselves here in the U.S. And when we look at the California water market, that is one of the most active and dynamic water markets here in the U.S., uh, given some of its importance with respect to uh, environmental use, agricultural use, as well as urban use and residential use. Uh, it's an important mark, market. Uh, it's an important resource. And we at CME worked with our partners at NASDAQ just to help those participants that need to manage the risks associated with accessing water or the prices associated with accessing the water. And it's been something that's been really celebrated by customers thus far. And I think as people find it genuinely curious and interesting about how we're going to introduce futures market uh, futures products on this market. It certainly is interesting. And one thing that I kind of like some clarification on is you're saying, you know, the California water market, is it just going to be in California where this market, you know, really is taking place and it's going to be popular? So, you know, for instance, folks in, in Kansas aren't really, I guess, going to necessarily need to really pay attention to the California waters market. Do you, do you know what I'm trying to ask? I do. And it's a very good question. Uh, so I think the first thing to mention is when we look at the water futures market, uh, sorry, the water futures product here at CME Group, it's going to be financially settled against the TV, uh, against the index. 
And what that means is we're only moving the U.S. dollar equivalent of the price performance. We're not getting into uh, the idea of delivering or conveying the physical water, uh, which is important because that does make the contract available or approachable by other participants in other markets, uh, as you said, such as Kansas. Uh, the index is, again, based on the California or California water market, which is certainly one of the most actively traded currently, uh, and the futures will now be the first of its kind regulated contract. But the index tracks effectively land lease transactions uh, for surface water and then four adjudicated basins in the California market. And that's the Central Basin, the Chino Basin, the Main Basin, and the Mojave Basin. So they look at land lease transactions that give entitlement rights to surface water. And NASDAQ uses that information to create the index. Uh, that index is the NQH2O index. And our futures contract settles to that um, in terms of at expiration, which will be the third Wednesday of the month on a quarterly cycle. So it's really interesting in that you don't need to be geographically proximal to the California water market, but you do, you would need to understand what is the basis between the California region or geography and maybe your local market. If you are that participant in Kansas, you can certainly trade it very easily at CME Group, but you just need to make sure you understood uh, the basis or what is the price correlation between your exact need and the California water market as a proxy. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes total sense. Thank you so much for that clarification, Tim. And I'm kind of glad that you, you know, brought up the trading aspect because I want to know how is this going to be traded? So this will be traded uh, in a few various forms. It can be traded electronically on CME's Globex, which is our electronic trading platform, which is available nearly 24 hours a day, Sunday night through Friday evening. And it's also available for block trades as well, uh, which will allow market participants to either access what we refer to as the central limit order book liquidity, that trading screen liquidity, they can do so anonymously. Uh, they need to have a account with their broker or their futures clearing uh, member. And they could also do privately negotiated block trades. If they have a, a specific need, there is already an existing water market, a water trading market. The benefit of the futures is now a, a regulated, transparent contract. Uh, so there's a few different ways to offer flexible access to this market for however they want to manage their need. Uh, they can certainly also see information at cmegroup.com slash water, where they could see some of the latest price information, the volume information, open interest. Uh, but you will need a brokerage account to access the electronic market or to submit the block trade. So, Tim, what are you or, you know, the CME group, what are they anticipating for volume of trades? Well, it's tough to say exactly what the future holds for us. Uh, but when we look at the interest of the contract, there's certainly a, a tremendous amount of customer interest and market in, uh, demand and interest in this product, not only because it is unique, 
uh, or new to folks in terms of being the first water futures, but also because just the, the topic of water itself and some of the issues surrounding it is of immense interest to a lot of market participants and people in general. So there's been a tremendous amount of enthusiasm, intrigue, curiosity, wanting to get educated on the market, uh, which has all been great to see. I think that's been manifested when we look at the first few weeks of trading here, where we're now just approaching you know, the, the end of the second week of trading. Uh, we've had trades every day in the contract, which is amazing for a new futures contract, let alone something uh, uh, like water in terms of developing a brand new market. And we've had uh, over about 45 contracts uh, almost 50 contracts have traded uh, through end of day today, uh, which has also been uh, amazing to see. Uh, in terms of what the contract represents, just in case folks aren't familiar, uh, our futures contract, like I said, which it financially settles, is worth uh, 10 acre feet per contract. Uh, that is what the unit of measure is for water, where one acre foot is roughly about 325,000 gallons of water. Uh, if you need a good visual, if you're not familiar, what I like to share is imagine a American football field or an NFL football field sta standing on one end zone going to the opposite 10 yard line. So 90 yards, sideline to sideline. If you filled that field with those dimensions with one foot of water, that is one acre foot of water. Our futures contract has a multiplier of 10. So now imagine that same football field filled 10 feet high. And that is the that is the volume of water that our futures contract represents. So when you look at what's traded so far through the first weeks, uh, just about 175 million gallons of water has been traded uh, as a function of the futures contract at CME. Uh, you know, just about 500 acre feet, which is amazing for two weeks, the first two weeks. So we're really pleased with the trading volumes we've seen. Uh, but, you know, I hope that success and that momentum continues, but tough to assign a specific number or volume ex expectation for the future. So, Tim, I know you mentioned that it's kind of hard to determine what the future is going to look like. And I mean, this has only been launched for a short amount of time, but do you think that there is, you know, a future need for more unique markets such as this one? And if so, what might those be? That's a great question. And certainly our primary focus right now is making this uh, futures contract successful at CME, making sure that, that the marketplace continues to understand and get familiar with the NQH20 index as published and maintained by our partners at NASDAQ. Uh, and that's our primary focus. But at CME, we look to customer in, uh, customers for further product innovation, uh, for, for clearly articulated risk management needs and what we should be bringing to the market next. And water is certainly uh, no different in that regard. Uh, we understand that, uh, as in your earlier question, there are certainly needs across other geographies in the United States, across the globe, and we'll be engaging with customers, we'll be engaging with NASDAQ to figure out what other markets might make sense, what other indices might make sense. Uh, but our primary focus right now is making sure that we can build as successful as possible market and experience for those market participants that need to trade uh, the current contract, because that will uh, improve our odds of success of expanding the methodology or expanding the approach into other geographies. And we'll take our cues from customers as to what geographies to do next. 
Well, Tim, this has certainly been a very interesting conversation, and I'm glad that we got to have you on. And I'm upset that Delaney had to miss out on this because she was very interested in this new market. But before I let you go, why don't you say one more time where folks can go to get more information on this water market? And if they want to get in contact with anyone to learn more information or to do some trading, how can they do so? Absolutely. And thanks so much for having me here today. I really have enjoyed our conversation. It's been exciting to given the opportunity to talk about water, uh, and, I'm, and I'm happy for today's invite. If you're for folks that want to learn more, the best place to get additional educational resources or additional information about the futures contract on the NASDAQ Bellis California Water Index is to go to www.cmegroup.com slash water. That really is the best one-stop shop for all of your resources. And I would really encourage folks to check it out. Uh, and my team's contact information is also available there. You can get in touch with us for additional information also on that same website. Awesome. Well, Tim, again, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too. And thanks again. Well, folks, Delaney had to get running on this Friday afternoon. It's a little bit of an early day for her, for which I am jealous. But if you want to listen to future or past episodes of the Ag News Daily podcast, of course, you can do that at agnewsdaily.com or really any podcast provider out there wherever you get your podcasts. But you can also join us in talking about the waters market or any other topic related to agriculture. We always have our ears open for any up and coming news on our social media pages at Ag News Daily. With that, I'm going to let the people go.